Hi, I'm Mike, lead pastor at The Ridge, and this is our weekly podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our desire is for you to grow in relationship with God, connect with others, and to experience God's purpose for life by adding value to the life of another. I hope that this message will build your faith and encourage you as we seek to grow together in God's Word. Enjoy today's message. Any Minnesota Viking fans? All right. It's going to be a good thing. You'll like it if you are a fan. It's just, it, do you know, if I use the word Minneapolis miracle, you know what I'm talking about? Well, let me fill everybody else in. And it's this. 2017 National Football League playoffs, the Vikings had been leading the entire game, but were headed toward yet another postseason disappointment because in the last, ten, last three minutes of the game, they gave up 10 points. So 10 seconds left in the game. They're down by one. Final play. And this happened. Keenum to Diggs, 61-yard touchdown. This is the most emotional moment some of you have ever had in a church. (laughs) The final play. Acts chapter 14. We get to the final play of Paul's first missionary journey. I want to give a little bit of an idea of where we're going. We've been teaching through the biblical book of Acts. That book of Acts ends up having three missionary journeys with Paul. We're at the end of the first one. There's two more. We're going to pause on teaching through Acts. We'll get back to those other two missionary journeys at some future series. Next week, we're going to start a new series. We're going to start teaching through the minor prophets in the Bible. It's the last 12 books of the Old Testament. They're kind of obscure but they're very relevant. Uh, For today, we're going to look at this final play. Final play in the last missionary journey, in the first missionary journey of Paul. Begin with this. Chapter uh, 13, verse 2, says the two of them, that's Paul and Barnabas, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia. Well, here it is on a map. This is the first missionary journey of Paul. And you'll notice they started in a town called Salamis, a lot of cities in here. Then they go to Paphos and they're telling people everywhere they go. They're telling them about Jesus, telling them about the resurrection. Next came Perga, then Pisidian Antioch, followed by Iconium and Lystra. We've been studying each one of these stops. Today, we get to the last play and it's in this city called Derby. Chapter 14, verse 21. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Big play. Good play. This didn't happen in all of the cities. Large number of people in Derby. Well, they decided to believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. What does that mean? We use that phrase and you maybe hear that phrase in a church. But what does it mean? It means this. It means sin is anti-God. Even the smallest sin in my life Well, it damages my relationship with God and it disqualifies me from heaven. Believing in Jesus means that I believe that God is good, that he sent his son Jesus to this earth, that he gave his life on the cross and he did that to satisfy justice, to forgive me, to rescue me. See, my my worthiness, my faith isn't based on my own worthiness, it's based on him and on his. 
Well, verse 21, they preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Well, that's great. Things went really well, but that's not quite the end yet. Something happened next. You know what? I'll give you a hint. It's pretty boring. If you're reading through the Bible on this one, you get here and you're like, wow, I'm just going to skim over that part because it seems city after city after city after city. And it doesn't seem all that significant, but we're going to dig into that for a little bit. I'm going to show you some maps and I want you to see because when you visualize what's happening here at the end of this first missionary journey, I think maybe you'll get something that we don't just read when we see when we're skimming it. So let's look at the maps here. Acts 14 gives us a very detailed route of their trip back home. Okay, they're going back to, to Antioch. So they're here, they're in Derby, and they're going to go back home, which is in Antioch. So if they were to plug Antioch into their GPS, here's what they'd get. That's the direct route. Most direct route would be a two to three day journey, 150 to 200 miles, depending on if they go through sea or if they go along the coast to be able to get there. Interesting thing. That's not what they did. So they're, they're done. They're going to go home. We'd inspect them to be taking that route. They don't do that. Rather, they do something else. Look at the route they took. Verse 21. Then they returned to Lystra. Say, okay, well, where's that? Well, let's look on the map where it is. Notice their home is southeast. Lystra is northwest, which means they went the exact opposite direction of returning home. Well, why would they have done that? When we know where these cities are, all of a sudden this passage feels a little different because they're not doing what we would expect them to do. It continues. Verse 21 They returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Sound familiar? Let's keep going. After going through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From Italia, they sailed back to Antioch. Do you see what's going on here? Paul doesn't take the fastest route back home. What were they doing? Why were they doing it? They were retracing their steps. They went back the exact way that they came not the fastest route why would they do that why did they do that why is that why is that even in here well one word and it's found in this passage three times i'll read it and i'll invite you to try and figure out what's that one word that keeps coming back again and again and again and again verse 21 they preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples verse 21 continues They returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Last one, verse 28. They stayed there a long time with the disciples. Why did they do what they did? Why did they retrace their steps? What's the word? Well, disciples. Disciples, disciples, disciples. It's all over this passage. It's the same word that Jesus used after he had been raised from the dead and he said to his followers then and he says to you and I today these words the great commission Matthew 28 verse 18 then Jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me therefore go and make make what yeah you got it disciples that's 
the word. That's what's going on here. Disciples. Now, maybe you've heard that word. Maybe you're familiar with that word. What is it? What does it mean? What's God getting at here? Well, let's think about that word, disciples. Let's think about it like this. Kick off. Becoming a Christian. Conversion. That, that's not the touchdown. That's not the goal. That's actually, that's the kickoff. That's the beginning. That becoming a Christian is the beginning of a new way of life. It's the beginning of a new way of living. It's the beginning. See, this word disciple, the Greek word is this. It's mathitas, which means student or learner. In the days of Jesus, they had a different educational system than we have in the States today. They didn't learn by going to classes. They learned by apprenticeship. So today, if you want to be an engineer, you can go to Ames. You can enroll at Iowa State University and you can take some classes. Well, which classes? There's a lot of different classes. One of the classes you can take, well, is this one. Real class at Iowa State. It's called Introduction to Wine, Beer, and Spirits. Your tax dollars at work. Somebody here is thinking, man, you know, I did that in college, but I didn't get credit. (laughs) Yeah, that's a little different. In the days of the New Testament, they didn't have colleges and they didn't have classrooms because they didn't have universities like we do today. Rather, what you did is you found somebody who was really good at doing what you wanted to do and then you stuck to them like glue. You followed them around. You watched what they did. You observed how they did it. It was a, a learning process by observing and imitating. Today, we call that apprenticing. A disciple was someone who learned something by apprenticing. There's this huge research company. It's called the George Barna Research Company. And they did this fascinating study of Christianity in America. Now, these are results I'm going to share with you from America. For those of you who are watching online internationally, man, we're grateful. It's fun to be able to gather together and to worship and to be able to look at the Bible with people from all around the world. What a blessing. Now, the the statistics that you're going to hear might be a little different in your community. But in the United States, they asked this question. They asked, do you consider yourself to be a Christian? And in the United States, seven out of ten people responded, yes. Seventy percent of Americans, you know, self-identified As Christians. Now here was the follow up question. Then they asked this question. Are you committed to learning more about. And following the teachings of Jesus. Of those who had claimed to be Christian. Half responded. No. Are you committed to learning more about following the teachings of Jesus. Of those who claim to be Christians. Half of the people in the United States said, well, no, I'm not committed to learning more about Jesus or about following his teachings. Let me read the conclusion of this study to you. They said this. These figures emphasize how soft people's commitment to God is. Americans are willing to expend some energy in religious activities, 
to convince themselves that they're people of genuine faith. But when it comes to truly establish it, to truly establish their priorities and make a tangible life commitment to knowing and loving God and allowing him to change their character and lifestyle, most people fall short. Does that describe you? No judgment here. Okay, 50% of Americans who consider themselves to be Christians, it would describe them. Does that describe you? Be honest. Do you want that to describe you? Verse 21. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. They retraced their steps. They went back to the exact same cities where they had already been. Why? Well, here's why. Because their goal wasn't converts. Their goal was to make disciples. That's different. Do you know that the word disciple, it is found 269 times in the New Testament. You know how many times the word Christians in the New Testament? Three. That's pretty striking, isn't it? Word Christian, three times in the New Testament. The word disciple, 269 times. I think God is trying to show us something. Conversion, becoming a, a Christian, is that's not the touchdown. That's not the goal. That's designed to be the kickoff. That's designed to be the beginning. In Acts chapter 14... Paul and Barnabas, they go back to mentor, to guide these new Christians, to show them what it's like to follow the teachings of Jesus in every aspect of life. Not perfection, but progress, growth, to be able to look back a month, a year, five years later and say, I've grown, I'm closer to God now than I was then. And I wonder, is that something that you want? Do you want your relationship? Do you want your connection with God? Do you want it to grow? Do you want it to deepen? If not, you have my permission right now to go ahead, pull out your phone and start just scrolling through your social media feeds. Some of you are already doing that. It happens. But if, if you don't want to grow closer to God, then the rest of what's in here is going to be irrelevant. If you do want to grow closer to God, then the question is, well, how? How do I do that? How do I become a disciple? For the most part, people have very good intentions in life. You know, I don't know a single person who's saying, well, I want to double my financial debt. I I want to increase my credit card balance. And and I want to get hit with these super huge interest rates. I don't know a single person who wants to do that. I don't know a single person who's saying, you know, I really want to grow my cholesterol level. My goal for 2021 is to hit this really high, dangerous level of cholesterol. I don't know anybody who wants to do that or has that intention. I don't know a single coach at the beginning of the season who says, gathers their team together and says, hey, here's what we're going to do. Here's our goal. Here's what we're aiming for this season. This season, I think we can get, I think we can get sixth place. I don't know a single coach who does that. Most people have really good intentions. 
I think most people actually want pretty similar things, but end up with different results. Why? Why is that? Well, one of the reasons is this. Consider the common word that we use today that is derived from this word, disciple. You know what the word is? Yeah, right. It's discipline. That word comes directly out of this biblical word, disciple. And we see no one can be a disciple without discipline. Maybe you hear that word discipline and think, oh, man, Mike, that's no fun. I don't want I don't like discipline. Well, it doesn't really matter if you like it or not, because it's true. Can't be a disciple of Jesus without having some discipline in your life. There's an author, James Clear, in his best selling book, Atomic Habits. He claims this. He claims successful people and unsuccessful people have the same goals. Goals don't determine success. Systems determine success. Here's a quote. He says, you don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. I agree with that. He says, you don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. Another word for systems, the word that we would see coming out of the pages of the Bible is this. Spiritual habits or life disciplines. You don't rise to the level of your goals. You don't rise to the level of what you want. You don't rise to the level of your hopes. You fall to the level of your habits because it's your daily habits and the rhythm, the way that you do life. That's what shapes your life deeply over time. I mean, let let me give you a couple examples from the Bible. How about David? People like David. David says this about him in the Bible. It says, David was a man after God's own heart. And I know a lot of people who say, man, I want that. I want to be a person after God's own heart. Well, how did that happen? Look at David. David, if you look at his life, almost every chapter in the book, he's going, he's spending time with God. He's seeking God and he's just pouring his life out to God. Book of Psalms, biggest book in the Bible. This book of Psalms, most of these are songs that were written by David when he was just worshiping, just expressing himself to God. He was he was communing with God day in and day out. That's David. That's how he got to be man after God's own heart. How about Paul? We see him throughout Acts. And we man, this is a guy with some real spiritual maturity. I want that. I'd love to have what Paul has. Well, what do you see Paul doing? We see multiple times in every chapter, Paul's going to the synagogue. Well, why would he be going to the synagogue? Synagogue, in those days, not everybody had no printing press. Not everybody had a Bible. You wanted to read the Bible. You had to go and get it and look at it at the synagogue. That's what Paul was doing every single day. Paul was in the synagogue reading the Bible day after day after day after day. See, you don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your habits. So how about you? What systems or what habits do you have built in? Are any of those designed to grow or to deepen your relationship with God? Because if not, then don't expect to grow closer to God. Verse 28. They stayed there a long time with the disciples. Notice 
what this is. This isn't an altar call. They stayed there a long time with the disciples. That's not an altar call. That's discipleship. That's not one moment. That's a whole bunch of little moments. Sometimes we wrongly believe that small bad decisions that we make in life, that they really don't impact us all that much. I order a value meal and and I slam all the French fries, but I, I don't keel over from a heart attack. So I think, hey, I'm good. Didn't have a negative impact on me. Or, you know, I, I skip church and my life doesn't fall apart. Or I cheat on a test and, and I don't get caught. Do you know what you get when you add all these little decisions and all these little moments in life up? You get you. You get your life. Very rarely does someone completely mess up their their life by one out of nowhere bad decision. Far more often, it's a series of small decisions. A a little compromise here. A small indulgence there. A little concession here. A small bending of the rule there. And then one day, you wake up and wonder, how in the world did I get here? Well, it didn't happen all at once. It was one decision After another, one decision at a time, and they build on each other. Acts chapter 14, we see what Paul and Barnabas did when they got back with these new Christians. Check this out, verse 21 and 22. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. They're saying, following Jesus, well, it's not just one aha moment. It's not just one prayer of, of, of salvation. It's not just one decision to believe. They're saying, following Jesus, it, it, it's something that takes place through the course of day after day after day. And he's saying, understand, it's not always going to be easy. There's going to be hardships. Verse 23, Paul and Barnabas So there's going to be hardship. So let's do this. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. They appointed elders. They looked for people in their midst who were spiritually mature. They realized there's a spectrum of spiritual maturity and we're not all on the same place in that spectrum. Spiritual maturity was people who are close to God. Who do you know like that? I'm going to invite you just in your own mind. Don't speak it out. Just in your own mind. Think a specific name of someone who would say, that's a spiritually mature person. Okay, and now, now think, how did they get that way? Because I'm going to guess that didn't happen in like five minutes. Right? That, that's one small Jesus-like decision after another through the course of, of years. Day after day after day, year after year after year. These things, they add up, they accumulate. Someone once said that successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. 
If someone is spiritually thriving and they're tight with God, odds are they are consistently leaning into life habits that help them grow close to God. Are you doing that? Do you have that? Do you want that? Do you want spiritual habits in your life that that are part of the rhythm of your life that connect you deeper with God? There's a whole bunch of them. Things like prayer and reading and reflecting on the Bible, serving, community, getting to know other followers of Jesus, giving, worship, solitude, fasting, and on and on and on and on and on. I'm not going to take the time to describe all of those to you today. If you're interested in learning more, tomorrow, 7.30, we're going to have a town hall gathering online. You just go to our website, register, sign on. Will Heron, our discipleship director, and myself, we're just going to spend some time and we'll talk about, dig a little deeper into some of these spiritual habits and share. Here's some habits that have been helpful for me in getting to know God better. For the purposes of our gathering today, let me just ask this question. Is there anything, any habit, any spiritual discipline that the Holy Spirit might be nudging you to start or to restart? Because we don't just rise to the level of our hopes. We fall to the level of our daily habits. We don't automatically become the people who we want to be Who we are is the sum total of the decisions that we make. The big ones and all the little ones. Let me close with this. Verse 21. So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Acts 14. They end the first missionary journey of Paul. And they don't take the fastest route back home. But rather, he retraces his exact steps. Why? One word, three times. Disciple, disciple, disciple. Conversion. Becoming a believer. That's that's not the touchdown. That's not the goal. That's the kickoff. That's the beginning. We don't become spiritually mature we don't become really tight with god all at once that happens one christ-like decision at a time day after day after day year after year after year the these small decisions you make these small habits you have on a daily basis they matter they matter they matter They all add up. They all accumulate. Don't give up. Don't bail out. Successful people do consistently. What other people do. Occasionally. I think that's true. I think. I think that's. Discipleship. Thanks for joining us today and listening to our weekly podcast. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship here at The Ridge. If you would like to dig a little deeper into what we've been talking about today, uh, be sure to check out Beyond the Sermon. This is a weekly devotional that goes out after second service on Sunday. There you'll find a scripture that we've been looking at, some questions for you to, to dive into. 
But then there's also a discussion uh, that I have with whoever is teaching that Sunday, and we just dive deeper into different themes and topics from the sermon. If you've enjoyed our podcast, feel free to share it with your friends, and also jump on our website, ridgelife.org, to get more connected here at the Ridge.